In this week's episode, we sat down with Jared Raskob, one of the most respected guides in the Florida Keys. Jared is a young superstar that exploded onto the tournament scene with victories right out of the box, including the prestigious Gold Cup. Fishing was insatiable for young Raskob, who drove to school with his boat in tow. This episode is revealing as we get a look inside the mind of a fishing genius. He tells us how he dominated and then surprisingly left the game. We broke everything. We broke lines. We broke hooks. We broke rods. We broke our minds. We broke marriages. We broke the whole thing. We uh, came up with the idea of going out that night and chasing girls, and whoever had the biggest pair of panties won the pot. I knocked another arrow, and he turned around the other way, and I shot him going through the other way. So I double lunged him both ways. But it was nothing for us to paddle an air mattress out into government cut. I got him on. All right, now we're going to teach him a lesson. I'm just an old guy that likes to fish. I'm not quitting yet. And he said, well, who the hell do you think you are, Sue App? And I said, that's exactly who I am. Life's journey to the grave should not be one arriving with a pretty, well-preserved body, but rather skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly torn out, thoroughly used up, proclaiming wildly, wow, what a ride. <laughs> There's something fishy going on here. Um, we good? We're good. So typically, you know, with the podcast that we've had in the past, I've interviewed people. And Nikki's always said, you know, from the get-go, a podcast is everybody shares information. Well, I kind of took the approach that I'm going to do it a little bit differently from, from the ski world and my background in, in production, doing the World Cup and the Olympic stuff, we were always interviewing people. And I think it kind of worked quite well, you know, because it was always directed like pulling information out of the, the guest. And if you don't mind, maybe we'll mix it up a little bit today. And as I made mention to you, we'll kind of like everybody contribute uh, in a round table type of a scenario. So I'll ask you stuff, you can ask us stuff, and we'll just see where it, you know, where it goes. Sounds per perfect so, for me. So to start with, you know, thank you for, you know, welcoming us into your home. Oh. You are a young superstar. Uh, my last tournament win, uh, Robbie and I were vying with you and Mark Richens. Uh, 30 years old, you've won all these great tournaments, all the big ones, you know, the Gold Cup, you know, the Golden Fly, the All Tackles, the Spring Bonefish Tournament five times. When you take a look at your life now, now you're married with two young kids. How busy are you? I mean, I, I remember when I was at that age, I, I wasn't married yet with kids, but I can only imagine what your life is like right now. Well, he's a, you're a TV host too. Yeah, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of things going on, but the boys are complete priority, you know, your priorities shift and in the best way, right? Uh, I absolutely love being a father. Um, I just can't wait to get home to them. I've found ways of trying to simplify my life and get in areas like I, I, I usually guide out of my house now um, instead of doing as much traveling as I did. That way in the morning I can have coffee. They're always up early and I can sit here with them until my, you know, my, my clients show up. 
Um, and then I'm here right after I come right back to the dock and usually I take my son out fishing, you know, if we had extra bait, but it just allows me to be home with them. Um, and then I, you know, juggle everything else when they go to bed, uh, respond to emails and, um, doing the phone calls we need to do, tying the leaders, tying the flies, you know, because there is such a, there's a lot more that goes on as a guide than just the time on the water. And it, most guides would, you know, agree to that. Um, but the boys are, man, it's so fun. God, it's, <laughs> it's so chaotic, fun. right? It is. Sometimes I come home and I'm like, you know, it's like we do the same routine. You, Every toy in this house is thrown out. <laughs> it's everywhere. And then we clean it up and they do it all again. You know, <laughs> right? And so it, it's, it's, uh, but it's, I wouldn't want it or have it any other way than what it is. Um, my wife is fantastic mother of just awesome wife you know she loves those boys so much she gives them everything she's always the one that takes them to the parks and the theater seas and different sea worlds and the zoo and she's always in the pool with them and she's just uh it makes me want to be home more so for the last two years i take off every sunday um to just to be with them right you know uh i realize the money uh, you can't buy the time back Right. And the time for me is to be with them and watch them grow because when we drop them off sometimes for three or four days at my in-laws, they come back and it's like, oh my God, I miss so much. Look at, you know, my, my oldest is sharp. Um, he got it from his mom for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he is, you know, he's, he's quick. He's like witty, you know, he, he's three, right. He's in a young three. He just turned three. He looks like he's 17. The kid's uh, 99. We'll, look at, we'll yeah. look at you. Uh, he's going to be way bigger. So uh, his head looks like a, like a 15 year old, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's, it cracks me up. He's, he's, he's so funny. The things he says, the, the other day we, uh, we always have to, it's a routine. You have to go both, go in there, read him a story and, uh, say goodnight, you know, and, and then he's fine. But I laid down and he looks at me and he goes, what are you doing, double chin? And I'm like, look at At him. three, double yeah, three, chin? And I'm like, oh, way to make me feel good, dude. You know, I'm like holding it back up. And I was like, you have like five chins. You know what are you talking about? But no, anyways, it's it's great um, being a dad. That's the main thing. But the stuff with the, the show, you know, it's kind of, uh, my partner does a lot of that. You know, he helps. He definitely helps me out with that part. Uh, all I have to do is basically orchestrate where we're filming, um, who I'm filming with, and, and just get the episodes. But the, the whole, you know, the hard part about it, he's he's always done that job, and uh, that's a, it's a big role. I I don't have time for that. So to bring it back, what was it like growing up here in the Keys? I mean, you went to school right here in Coral Shores, right? Oh yeah, I used to drive my boat to school. They Did a, you? Yeah, they had a little dock. Uh, in the backyard there. <clears throat> I grew up, my parents have a house on the ocean right behind like Dove and Rodriguez. And uh, I remember the, growing up here, I was I was obsessed with the water. Um, no one in my family fishes, no one. No, my dad doesn't even own a fishing rod, but the love for fishing started, he was a contractor. And at that point he was actually the one working on homes. Uh, he was a foreman and almost every house he was building was on the water. So instead of going to daycare when I was four, he would just put a life jacket on me, bring a fishing rod, pack a shrimp, and I would just walk the docks. And, you know, some some areas had like tarpon, some most of them had like sailor cats, you know, catfish and snappers. And so I would just fish the docks. And by the age of seven, he gave me a little John boat with a with a four horse Chrysler. And it was the funniest thing. I'll, I'll never forget it. Uh, it was for Christmas. And, you know, you always wait for the big present at the end. 
And so my dad's like, all right, you know, time for you boys to get your present. And uh, he goes, all right, open your eyes. And I look down and I guess overnight the boat drifted underneath the, one of the, the dock pilings and it went all the way to the bottom. It was just the bow floating in the air. And I, I didn't care. I was so pumped that I got a boat. You know, my dad's in there cussing. He's like, are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> but it's a four-horse Chrysler. Like, how hard is that to pickle out and get cleaned and running? So I had that thing for like four years. And it was called the Back Tax. And it looked like Rasta colors, yellow on the inside, green, um, red bottom, and then like pinstripe that was like Rasta. And it was called the Back Tax because my dad had a big Sea Ray that was called Plus Tax. And then I went all over uh, that with that boat. What was your best fish caught out of that little thing? The first cool thing I've ever caught out of that boat was I was behind Dove and I would always go and catch the needlefish and I would chunk them. I would catch a bunch and I would chunk them and have them for bonnet heads with one rod. And then the little cudas, I'd have a jerk bait. And this one time I looked and I thought they were all cudas coming and I throw the jerk bait at them. And anyways, I caught like a four pound bonefish at eight years old. I mean, I, I, would, I sight fished it not, not knowing it was Right. A bonefish. On right? a jerk bait. On a jerk bait. Yeah, I loved it. I uh, could probably never do that again. Um, and I remember I was so excited that this little boat had a little well. This is back before phones. You know, this is back before you even had any kind of camera. So I raced in with it, in the, and I'm just pouring buckets of live water in there. And I got a picture of me holding it, and I released it in the canal. But that was, like, the coolest thing I got probably out of that. Uh, caught a permit out, Rodriguez out of it, my first one. Um but by the time I was 12, they actually got me a flats boat. But you were pretty much self-taught then because you didn't have anybody that was a little bit older teaching you how to tie knots and how to chunk and how to cut things up to chum for and catch, you know, fish up the ladder, if you will. No, nah, yeah, there was, there was definitely a, for the first period of like 8 to about 14, where a lot of it, you know, maybe 12 or 14, somewhere in there, where, yeah, I was just going out and, inventing stuff i had no idea what i was doing uh still kind of don't um but i would go yeah, out right yeah, I, i'm telling <laughs> you, uh, i would go out and, and have fun um with my buddies and you know we were we didn't care and i think that never changed in my fishing i don't care what it is i love fishing you know i i love it i have a, a big center console i'll do offshore stuff i have a glade skiff that i'll go in the no motor zones and then i have my maverick you know, it doesn't matter where we're at, what you want to fish for. I love it. You're in. I love it. Well, now tell me about Richard Black. You guys grew up together, and he was a good pal, right? Richard's the sickest fisherman there is. Yeah, he's so good. I'm, if he only, he knows, I'm his biggest fan. I truly am his biggest fan. Um, there's people that have certain traits, like you know, uh, like some people that like Biscayne Bay is their zone, and, and the Lower Keys is their zone, or Fly Permit Bonefish Tarpon is their thing. Uh, when I say Richard's the best, there is no one that can do it all. I mean, Richard, you want to catch a slam up north, you do it. You want to catch a slam down south, you're doing it. He has a 33 CV. He's out there perfecting live baiting for wahoos. He's out there catching, you know, he's winning sailfish tournaments. He won the Chica this year. I mean, from a guy that wins, you know, backcountry tournaments to go out there and actually be a captain and have a, a center console competing against these boats that are trained all year long, all their mates. And you're going out in this huge tournament and winning them. I mean, the, the guy's sick. And he's the best part about Richard is he's the most humble person I've ever seen in my life. Never talk about, never brag about it. Just, just does it. Makes his own rods, jigs, flies, boats. You know, I mean, dude, he's sick. And so I, I think he's the best. 
is that he can do it all. You got, it goes in the golf, does it. You want to chum for bonefish or soak for bonefish, not chum, he does it. He just, he can do everything. And he's 30 years old. He's one year older than me. Yeah, he might be 31. Yeah, we are. Wow. It's funny because a lot of people, you know, express those same sentiments about you. Oh, well, I'm nowhere near the level. His spectrum is, is, it's is huge. vast. Yeah, that's what I mean as a fisherman as a whole. He's the, there's, the only one that, that is, was better than Richard was Ralph Delph. You know, somebody that could do it all. And right. he was better. Richard is the next Ralph Delph. And, and I know I'm missing some, so I don't want people to mistake that. But to me, Richard is Ralph Delph, man. He can do it all. Right. And, and do it to the highest level and to be the nicest guy in the world while doing it. You know, it's hard to find somebody like he's a he's a rare breed. Kind of like a Steve Huff. He is he is he is a the rare nicest. nicest guy. Just just a rare breed of a human uh, as a father, as a as a as a husband and as a friend, you know. Um it was funny. Richard and I never fished too much together because I think we were so like competitive. Yeah, he took you know, I, I I spoke to him last night. I wanted to get some intel on you. Yeah. And he said to, about you, he said, he, you're just the nicest guy ever. And if there's ever an issue, he's calling you because you are all in. Well, he, now he's full of, he's full of it. <laughs> so you might, you might not have got Richard, or if you did, you got him on a night that he was having two glasses of wine, right? So, But yeah. he did say, too, that um, growing up together, you guys were like best of friends, but very competitive. Yep. And that's what raised the bar of, their, of each other's ability to become better yeah and it was we had always fished there's this tournament called the red ghost stock uh tournament and um richard and i would fish it and we would fish it with our buddies and you know it's really cool it's out of the fishing club and you know they have different age brackets and and uh i remember in this story richard's gonna laugh when he hears this but uh brooke dinker right. is there fishing with her dad and you know brooke's a few years older than us and I mean, Richard is just, I mean, he won't stop staring and he's drooling, right? <laughs> he's just drooling. And I'm like, dude, take it easy or go talk to her, you know, like, right. And he, and he, and he was, it was funny. Um, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to date this, this girl. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like it's, it's Brooks beautiful, you know, comes from a fishing background, which is what Richard's obsessed with and is beating our ass in these tournaments. This, this girl is beating our ass. Like, it's not, <laughs> like we're in the same category. I wish it was like a girl's division compared to the guys. But, but she's, was, I guess you, mano a mano. Oh yeah, and she's beating beating us like crazy. And Richard, just Richard loves it. And he's taking it and I'm like, now I'm gonna beat her, you know? Like, But fast forward, um, I remember I got a call from Richard and he's like, I'm, I'm going on a date with Brooke, you know, years ahead. And I'm like, good for you. And I knew that was like a done thing for him. and. That's like the, the coolest couple. They share a passion together. It's a fishing family and they have a beautiful daughter. And it's for Richard, it was like the one fish he was stalking for so long and he finally got it. And it was super awesome. Oh, that's yeah, cool. It is cool. Let's let's jump back into, you know, where you were when you're like sixteen and you know, starting to catch a bunch of fish. Did you have aspirations of winning these big tournaments that were quite profound for for decades? The Gold Cup and I mean and the and the Golden Fly and the Fall Fly and the Spring Fly, which you've won five times and these big events that you now have your name on those trophies. Were they something that you were looking and aspiring to win? The Bonefish tournaments, yes. I was uh 
about from the age of 15, maybe 16, I got a Hell's Bay Whip Ray. And uh, from that time moving forward, I was so obsessed with big bonefish. I mean, it just, uh, tarpon was a, a bycatch. You know, it's almost like these anglers that fish the permit. You know, they won't even cast at bonefish and tarpon that come around. They have one fixed species and they, they understand that you could go out and not catch one, you can go out and not get shots. But it's it's that that stock that when you finally hook one of these things. Um, so I I wanted I was obsessed with bone fishing and I and I um, we were, we were having some great success doing it. My buddies and I in the afternoons and I never played any organized sports in in high school. Uh, coaches got pissed at me. I was 6'4", 215 pounds. They wanted you. Oh yeah, I wouldn't play any of them. I didn't play basketball, lacrosse, football. I just was like. I'm fishing, man. Like, bring my boat to school behind my Jeep. Chicks and fish. Chicks and fish. <laughs> you know, I would fish. I would fish hard every. I mean, I would literally fish five days a week. It didn't matter high water, low water, because there was always somewhere for tailors. And it didn't. You know, uh, back then, the, the windier and the nastier the days, the better your chances that we're catching a big fish. Uh, you know, they put their guard down. So I was out, and I was obsessed. And I had one buddy, Jake Turek, uh, who was really good friends with Richard that um he loved pulling he loved watching it and uh him and i caught a lot of fish together and, and actually him pulling me and uh that's a skill man to be what at that point that's what was so intriguing by it like what got my attention was you, you had to be just as good on the back of the boat as you did in the front it was like playing chess with these fish it was like going around so you know, you would watch and you had to learn the fish, how they are feeding. You know, one time they would tail and you would learn what they're doing that day. And then they stop and then they would pop up 15 feet over here, tail quick, then stop. And they would do a pattern. And if you're willing to watch them and take your time before just rushing in there to try to get a shot, they would almost tell you where they're going to show up next. Or, so you had to intercept them. Yes. And a way of doing it. Um, then, you know, obviously our favorite ones were the ones that were coming down a channel edge and just stayed to the channel edge and they just would, you know, tail or mud and, and never veered off that. And, and those these, are, the, and these are the, the big, big downtown, downtown Alamrata bonefish nine to, you know, shots of 15 plus pounds, right. you know? Um, yeah, I was, it's, what's the biggest fish you caught downtown personally yeah. or, 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 or in your boat? It was actually in the spring fly, uh, with, with Mark, Mark Richens. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is when they changed a tournament to a measuring thing from BTT, but uh, I've weighed about six in the 14 range at the scale at Worldwide. So I felt like I had a good idea of what a fish was. Um, and Mark too, you know, of, of us doing bone, always bone fishing together. And we caught a lot of big fish together, but this thing was, I mean, if I had to put a number 15 and a half, pounds 16 i don't i don't know he he filled the whole he was so big that it was scary and i was hyperventilating i was freaking out and, I, and so why couldn't you get a good uh measurement on the weight because they changed it to they changed it yeah so you, you didn't bring him you in weren't scaling him like the you know the first three years that we did the spring fly um which we were very fortunate to win we were bringing the fish in so you know there was no you know, there was everybody watches. This is they're all on the same scale, same canoe, um, and everybody got to see, to see it, which was exciting. Yeah. Uh, but I do like that it's better for the fish now moving yeah. forward. Right. You know, not doing it at that age, you weren't really looking at that. 
Um, but it's better for the fish not to, you know, they fight to the death to hold this fish in a live hole, run them back from Biscayne and weigh them. And then to go try to release, you know, most likely they're sharp or they died and, and it was upsetting. But this one was a measurement formula that BTT has, has done and I helped work with some of it and it's pretty accurate, but they came out only at 14 pounds and on their measurement, but we caught one also that was 14.4 that I would have bet you that fish wasn't bigger than 13 and a half pounds, you know, so it, it didn't, but we would have said 15 plus pounds, massive. How cool was the uh, the canoe that we where we weighed all the weight fish at the dock at Lorelei? I, I love it. It was like it was like old school, you know. Yeah, like the, you know, like it was like stitched in the corner, right? right. You get so it. Nikki, it was it was like an old Indian canoe made out of like dried, like it looked like uh, dry, animal like skin. animal skin, exactly. Right, right. You know? And it was literally a canoe, and it had holes on on both ends. And you'd put the with, fish with right in the middle. You put the fish in the middle of the canoe and hang it on the scale. And uh, for years and years and years, we were always talking about, okay, we got to put a couple in the canoe today. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. that can, I wonder where that canoe is now because that is really a piece of uh, history, historical history in in um, the bonefish capital of the world. I mean, it it definitely was the bonefish capital of the world at one time. Um, I was I'm upset that I got to see. I, I'm happy I got to see about seven eight years of it, but you know, talking to the Timmy Clydes and the Craig Brewers and the Billy Knowles and, you know, all these guys I just, you know, and then hearing Steve's podcast and it's so sad because I got the tail end of it. At least you saw it. Yeah. But they were like, you should have been here back. And then I'm like, I don't even want to hear it. It's driving me insane. But meanwhile, you, know? you, you probably caught some of the biggest fish the tournaments had ever seen. It, it was, it was, we got, we had a great one year. It was a great tournament. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's interesting. You make mention that you were, um, you were, targeting but also pattering uh these big fish we did an interview with croca a couple of days ago and uh he and tim mahaffey were the dominant team there for a while and tim said that they were getting ready to go onto this knuckle and and croca said now look in a couple of minutes we're going to have a couple of big bonefish come up on this edge and they're going to tail and there's significant weights and tim's thinking yeah right mark and sure enough these two big bones came up and started tailing and there were significant weights. So in your experience downtown, could you pattern these fish knowing when a certain tide was gonna happen and they were gonna do exactly as such? Uh, no one's croca. So uh, that guy is just uh, on a different level of a guide. Um, he will tell you when they're gonna come up, how many fish, when they're gonna mud, what he he has right. like he has like a sixth sense, a seventh, tenth sense. I mean, just insane what he can. But yes, there was areas that I would be like, okay, we're gonna come here for two shots, you know. And then sometimes you get surprised. But um, it wasn't like you just got on main bank and you know pulled around. Sometimes I would fish one little edge, and I know what I'm I'm looking for, especially on the ocean. I was really in love with like Whale Harbor to Northside Snake Creek. There'd be a middle, all middle triangles, and and you you knew if you were there on a certain tide that they would come up at some point and come tailing down the edge, and then pop off and disappear. Um, I, I lived out there um, when I was younger, um, it, but that was the first to go. That was it was upsetting. It was like almost overnight, it was gone. You know, it went from fishing Mark Richens when I was 12 years old, getting 30 shots in the afternoon at Taylor's to 
you know, going out there and maybe seeing one group. And uh, at that point is when I kind of stopped doing it. Put a dagger in your heart. Well, that's when I started target fishing, you know. Um, and, I, and I love target fishing, but still to this day, I would quit target fishing if that big bone fishing came around again in a second. So I asked Mark this, but I want to hear from you. What do you think happened to those big Alamrata bonefish? You know, I think there was just, it, it, there's so many variables, so many things that are adding to it. I think, I think it's uh, not, there's a sewer, you know, um, that finally got a sewer line, but it was, you could always smell in low water, you know, sewage. Uh, you would see the grass dying off in certain shorelines and getting, which now we have more like brown water, um, you know, all of a sudden these crazy amount of jet skiers, you know, every marina having, you know, 15 jet ski tours. Just a combination of- And then kite borders. And then, you know, the fish kill in 2010 was probably a big one. Um, I think one of the main ones, but uh, I think there's so many things that led up to that they just, you know what, either they died off or they just don't want to live here anymore. Um, But it's funny that every once in a while, I, I would see them you know um and have a day where all of a sudden i was somewhere and i would get i would get surprised and so like i still believe there's some around especially in north biscayne bay you could still get double digits um but down here you know i would uh, i bet you the last time i caught a fish over eight pounds was a year ago but the the two to six pound bonefish are incredible are abundant it's incredible do you think they're going to get to the 12 to 14 pounds that were the marker with age with it, I, I'm hope you know. I'm, I want to be hopeful. You know, I want to. I want to believe it is. Uh, I don't know. Um, There's obviously a food source that was here in the downtown Alamrata that made them as large as they were. Uh, I, I know there was big some big fish in Marathon and all that, but something about Alamrata was where they held all the giant ones. And there was some, it had to have been a food source, and I think it was like toadfish and stuff that made them get to the size large. Um, because in the bay, you got 14-pounder, but that was, like, rare. It wasn't uncommon to see 20, 14-pound-plus fish in a day when they had the right conditions. 20, 14-pound fish. And, and that would mean, like, you're not 20 shots. It would mean, like, there'd be a group of six, and they're all the same size here, and then you right. would see them. But, yes, no, I mean, and in numerous zones, those bonefish tournaments, the first few ones used to have full fleet of guys. Croco was in it with Mahaffey and Tim Klein and – you know, with Carl Heisen, Dwayne Baker, who is a phenomenal bonefish guy who I, you know, idolized him. Um, but as the fishing changed, there isn't 25 spots that are weight fish spots anymore. It went down to 10, you know, and, and 15. I remember most of them were 15 boats. It took away 10 because you could actually have zones from, you know, soldiers all the way down to the swash. Um, Nowadays, if they held the bonefish tournament here, it would just be embarrassing, I think, in, in regards to what the scores are. The if they did number thing, it would make everybody blow their mind. Um, but actual, like, weightfish, you'd be, I bet you there'd be one scored, maybe two. Right. In the whole tournament, in three days, of the best bone fishermen on the planet. And a weightfish is considered any fish above seven pounds. Yeah, there used, to, used be to be eight. Yeah, yeah, now it's seven, you know. And, and I mean, so there's so many ones that are, like, on the – right on like you know it's like this you know, like you get it you're like ah that's probably close you know and sure enough it always is under right. you know you know it's interesting in that they had to lower the weight limit for a weight fish because they weren't catching any weight fish 
And we lost the spring bonefish tournament one year. We got second three times. And after interviewing Croca last week, it was it was understood as why I was never going to beat that guy. <laughs> you know, he had superpowers between he, is, he and Mahaffey. He's silly. Oh, man. my God. So anyway, uh, Kevin Guerin uh, and Bert Sherb, on the last day of the spring fly one year, Timmy and I, Timmy Hoover and I were leading. They caught... They caught a nine-pound bonefish, a weightfish, on the last day, and they realized they could not win if they took that bonefish because I think we were, it was only three weightfish allowed. They caught a weightfish, a nine-pounder. They were only, only going to be able to maybe get third. They let it go and caught a 12-pounder to beat us. I mean, is that not the, pit, the epitome of the great big fish we had back then? When you're then? letting nine-pounders go. Go. Yeah. To to catch a bigger one. I mean, I heard, so Mahaffey was a big uh, part of my upbringing. Um, he, my neighbor, Frank Giuliano and Tim were great mentors to me. Uh, they lived down the street and they, they kind of saw something in me. And so they would go over there and show me how to, show me how to throw the cast net. And the one thing I, I thank them to this day was they never, when I went fishing with them, wanted me to be on the bow. They always told me, if you want to learn how to fish, you got to learn how to control the back end of the boat before you get on the front end of the boat. And I, they might have been just blowing smoke. just Because so they wanted to, to fish. Yeah, push, so I get to pull push. around the whole time, right? <laughs> you know, that's probably what it was. It wasn't like a great, like, oh, yeah, you're going to learn. Uh, but it, uh, I loved it because then I would, I would and they would – okay jared you know the current's going this way you need to get up around them but you need to do it in stealthy mode you can't be slinging the push pole hitting water you know and um they really showed me that and then when it came into the fishing part of it uh mahaffey was probably the best bonefish angler i've ever seen he would he would do things that only unless you were on the boat he would call them out i remember this one day we were pulling down a channel edge and this is i'm older at this point i'm sorry i'm guiding just him and I messing around. So, you know, he doesn't have to tell me anything. You know, he knows that I'm going to put the boat where it needs to be. But these fish are going into the wind and they're going up this channel edge. And I told him, I said, there's no way I'm going to be able to get around those fish before they fall off that edge. I said, they're done. They're going to go off that edge. You know, this is your shot. Usually, you know, we take our, it take 20 minutes to set up on a school sometimes. And I'm like, you're going to take it. He goes, Jared, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this fly and I'm going to hook it to come hook back to the left. And I'm going to let it sit and I'm going to watch where it lands. And he goes, I'm going to get two strips out of it, of it going away from the fish before it turns right. and comes back right. at me. You know, he's calling this play by play. Right. And I'm, in, I'm, pulling, I'm like, this guy's so full of shit. You got to end up freaking hooking it back. So the taily loop fall on top of there and spook off and they were done. Right. You know, that's my mind. And sure enough, I mean, he makes his like 60 foot shot. And the last one is like, he just does this like little flick. And that thing turns and goes and drops right in front of these two. And I'm like, holy shit, that's impressive. I don't wanna, I don't wanna make his head bigger than it already is, right? So I'm like, I'm not saying a word. He goes, bump, and you could see him. That was the most exciting part as an angler or a god. You see their body language. They perked up. Right. And I'm like, oh my god. And he he went, it was always a distinctive pop, and you would wait. And a hard six-inch pop and the fly, the way we were throwing flies, it just wasn't stripping it. You just wanted them to come up and see it. And all of a sudden it was, and it just big tail came up and um, I go, you got him. Long strip. He freaking hooked him. Thing went screaming off, right? And gone. And it was like 11 and a half pounder, right? 
and we got this. And I, once we let it go and we we're like both high vibing, he knew I wanted to acknowledge what he did without like, he's just like looking at me like, where is it? You know, where is hey, it? Hey, come what? on, Jerry. You like that? You like that? And I was like, dude, that was impressive. That was cool. That was probably one of the cooler things I've seen bone fishing besides what Mark, that big fish. That was a, to this day, there's, there's, there's no fish that I've caught that was, that'll ever beat that bone fish. The way we did it, the way, how long it took us. There, there nothing, nothing will ever beat that fish. I don't care. It can't happen. It was interesting because uh, Mark uh, Richens was talking about last night. He said he doesn't want to reveal any of your secrets, but you kind of revealed that secret a yeah. little bit ago about about pattering fish. And yeah. and he was saying that you know one of these big bonefish that you guys caught in that tournament, the spring bonefish tournament, where you you, know, you were talking about okay, they're going to come around here, put your fly in with this weight. And it was like. Waiting for the sun sun to rise. Felt like it was forever. Yeah, well, I remember this. This is this fish will always be you know in the back of my mind when I bone fish, and giving up these you know it's not secrets. You know, I mean it is. It's just a different style. Like this is not the way to do it. I never never say this is how you do it. This is what I have confidence in. This is what works for me. You know, there is there are many other guides, winning guides, Timmy and Craig, and you know Timmy's won more falls than anybody and. And, you know, he has a complete different technique from me, complete different fly, the different way he strip. That doesn't mean, so what I'm giving up, you still got to go do it. And it's 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 not as easy as you think. Oh, like people can be like, oh, you just go way up in front of them and watch them. No, 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 no. It's, you you, you got to know what you're doing to do it. Um, angler and guide and be on the same page. And so this fish that Mark and I were fishing, it's pulling like 20 miles an hour, which is always your favorite time to bone fish. It's the middle of the day, one o'clock, and I found this zone that they were tailing in the middle of the day in 20 knot winds, just pairs, singles, school four. That's a contrast in words right there. You know, middle of the day, middle of the tailing, day, tailing, like not just oh, I saw a tail, like doing their thing. And, you know, we're, I'm pulling it to south wind. I remember like it was yesterday, and, and the way the flat was set up is that I was stalking these fish. I'm like, I already know, okay, these fish are in a foot of water. They're the biggest thing. That's like the hardest of the hardest thing to do. You, they're so on edge. You know, I'm not getting close to those. You cannot get close to them. You cannot throw that fly close. I, I, I don't feel confident in that way. And so we watched them and we watched them. And it took us, it took me 45 minutes to get this shot out, right? 45 minutes. 45 minutes to get the shot. For one fish. But to make the cast. We, we would make casts and, that I'm predicting where they're going to go. And then they're off the seven, eight feet and you would just wait and you, you couldn't slide it away. You had to wait till they just left, bring it up and then we'd do it again. And I bet you we did seven different times of that till I finally, they trapped themselves and they're going into this little kind of- Box canyon. Yeah, bo bo little back cove where they are not, I know they're not gonna cross that. Right. They're not gonna get in three inch, four inches of water to cross. And so I remember, I remember Mark, it's, it's a little overcast, hard to see and I'm, I just leave them and I'm pulling this way. And he goes, Jared, 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 what are you, they're over here. I'm like, Mark, I know, I know they're there. I know where they're at, you know? And he, he always had them. That's why him and I always fish well together is that we were so in tune and sync. If I told him to pick it up and the tarpon's about to eat it, he would pick it up because he knows there was something else that I want him to do, you know? And, and he listened well, and he's a phenomenal angler, but he was like, what are you like? We've been tracking these things for 30 minutes. What are you doing? You don't leave them. And I'm like, Mark, Mark, Mark. So I got to get about 150 feet over here. I'm just huffing in this. 
into the wind as hard as I could, and I get the boat. I make it a perfect downwind shot, 11 o'clock. And I said, Mark, see that mangrove shoot? I said, I want you to throw it our side of it four feet. I said, I don't want you to throw it past it because if you hook him up, he's going to run through that way and you can break him off. I said, four feet, see a little white hole? That's where I want it. And so he's sitting there playing with it till it finally got there. I said, no, you don't move that. Don't move it because where are the fish are? I'm like, they're going to come. They're going to come. Meanwhile, you can't even see the fish. I, I can barely see the You mice. can, but Mark no, cannot. No. And I see him coming. I said, Mark, they're coming. Just wait. And it felt like an hour, but it was like two and a half minutes. Fly sing in the water. Us and I said, do not, do not jump the gun when I tell you. Not aggressive bump. Just give me a little bump. Let me just and he's all right, Jared. All right. And like we're like, like just we're so excited. And I'm like, all right, okay. Here and now you're focused on where the fly is. I don't where it I landed. I I don't take my eyes off where it is. I'm just watching. You know where that fly is. I'm waiting for the fish to come in my view. And here they come. And they're, it's like perfect. There's three of them. And they're all spread out perfectly. And they're coming right by the stick. So I'm like, okay, next little white hole. And I said, when they got from maybe Nikki to Iowa, I'm like, little bump, little bump. And I just saw this one go. And I'm like, oh boy. I'm like, all right, bump. And that thing just goes. And this tail, I mean, I, it looked... If it was 12 inches, it was 48. I don't, dude, it was, it was this big and that thing popped up and I go long strip and it just went straight. And he, that thing, as soon as it went tight, he made a great hook set. That thing did 4,000 figure eights. We were not tight to that fish for the first minute and a half of fighting him. He would go this way, that way, this way. And now we're in shallow water and I'm, I'm where we're at the bottom. So soft. So you're trying to push hard, but it's actually the worst thing to do, you know, because you're putting Sinking the pole right. down and then you're pulling it back out. I'm hyperventilating. My heart's beating so fast and I'm pushing as fast as I can. Well, now the fish is, the line's all the way here, but the fish is all the way back over here. You get a big belly. And I go, back off that drag. Let it loose. This can go. I said, you have so much. And that fish at this point, we know that, that there was no fight. It was, he did it all in the first minute and a half. And that fish is just doing this kicking but not moving an inch i'm like he's gonna break off he's gonna break off i'm like trying to get up just to get and the line's coming the line's coming the line's coming the line's coming and we went right over to it and i just got the dip net i freaking run to the bow and i net it and it turned sideways and we're like Boo, baby! oh you could have heard us you could have heard us in key west <laughs> right you were like we were losing our mind and we net this thing and i go that's 16 pounds and, and i can't even breathe but all i want to do is give the respect to the fish i go Let's measure this thing real quick. Pictures. I got one picture of Mark holding. I had to. His eyeball looks like the size of this microphone. And I said, okay, let's get this thing going. I pulled out, idled off the flat, and I had him in the live well, and I brought him, and I wanted that fish to make sure it was going to – and I took the time. It took us about 10 minutes. We took our time with that fish. Good for you. You know, um, that's a, that's by far the coolest fish I've ever gotten. Is, is that the life. best tournament you've won? That one, it was, you know, because – um, we had uh, 14, we had a 13, 14, a 14, two and a 14, four, and then max outer releases. You had a 13, 13, 14, I'm sorry, 14 and a 14, two, and then max our releases out. And, um, oh my God. Yeah. It was, it was the highest score to beat Harry Spears. Um, and I'm not like trying to brag about that. Right. Was, it, it meant, <laughs> meant a lot, but to yeah, me. it meant a lot to me. Right. Um, because I, it was its 1989 record. I was that's the year I was born, and so we beat it. It was like I think we got like 6,900 points. It was massive. 
Wow. Massive scoring. What a story. You know, that bonefish, I mean, I'll, that'll always go down as the guide from, you know. And then there would be, you know, a couple other fish in different tournaments. But that one was so special. 45 minutes till we caught it. From the moment we saw him to the moment we caught it. What it mean to you to win the Gold Cup? Yeah, I mean, I, never, I mean that's the that's the uh, the gold medal in in tarpon fishing. I truly never thought I would happen. You know, um, why? I, I love tarpon fishing, but I I, I don't do it enough um, to feel like I was competing. You know, with Rob Fordyce and and Dustin and Paul Tahera and Scott Collins and you know these teams that you know are together doing it for 80 days you know prepping themselves for these tournaments um and so it was it, it's, they were refined tarpon teams oh they're and and they and it, it's hard to beat that you know they have the best guides with the best anglers doing it consistently on you know everyday basis just with them and here's mark and i well we always did one practice day <laughs> And tying your leaders at the dock. One, at- we did one. We would go six months without fishing together at that point, and we would do one, maybe two practice days. And here we are going into it, and I'm like, "Shit! Like, let's get these kicks out the first couple of days." Mark, <laughs> Mark, break every one you want off now, okay? Because when it comes to tournament time, we can't do that, you know. But we we would come into them, and so I, I just thought, didn't think I was at the level of, and I don't think I'm. You know, the coolest thing about tournaments is that. For those five days, it doesn't mean you're the best tarpon guy. It means you're just better than everybody else those five days. Right. You know, that's that's people like, I don't think I'm the best by any means, um, and especially at tarpon fishing. I think I'm pretty far down the list. Um, but that 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 year, things worked out for us. You know, we had some our own way and our own style of fishing. I'm not on the ocean trying to get, you know, a, a big flow of fish and trying to get numbers of shots i'm i was the opposite i'm looking for the right fish and we would go some days and get eight shots but you would get eight bites but they're the right fish and then it came down to you know it's a team mark you got to do your part i got to do my part and and you know as much as anybody luck there's a lot of luck in this for you sure. know there's a lot at the end of the day you're like oh i you know i had this one break off well so does everybody else right so does it the year with the gold cup I was thinking I was telling you before it's 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 like the coolest thing, you know. I looked up to Dustin even before I ever knew what he looked like, right? You know, you couldn't find him on the internet. He was so low key, um, but just just hearing about who he is um, and the kind of guy he is and and how good he is uh, and how humble he is is something that I wanted to to be like. And you know, I think Dustin's probably. 10 years or 12 years older i'm not i'm not sure exactly um but here i'm fishing these tournaments and i'm like oh maybe i have a chance you know and and not taken away from anybody else amazing but all of a sudden dustin decides uh, he wants to go ahead and start doing them i'm like well there goes that you know <laughs> i was like uh you know you already have rob and greg smith with scott collins and paul and this and i'm like there's no chance i have no chance and that first year that dustin fished it Mark and I are actually, this is like the year I felt like we're going to win it. We had four weights coming in the last day and some releases. And I'm like, oh, you know, I think this is going to happen. I think we like maybe bageled the last day. And I, but I was like, oh, you know, they still need to do something big. And here comes Dustin with two weights. And I'm like, son of a bitch. 
you know? <laughs> but like, I'm, I was so happy for him because I was actually happier for him than if I won it because I know how much that meant to him. Having his father on the trophy a few times and then him, you know, doing the same thing. And there's only one other team that's, you know, father, son's done. It was Craig Brewer and his dad. And so I knew that was like a, such an amazing moment. You could see it in his in, in his motions and how 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 you know how much of a career goal that was. And for him to do it the first year was amazing. So I remember that whole dinner, the speech. It was it was really you know everybody felt it. I think everybody teared up and everybody was very happy for him. Once it was over, I walked up and I told him, I said, I just want to let you know I'm coming for your ass next year, though. Like, I ain't going to let that happen again. <laughs> then I'll go, don't, don't be taking the food out of my mouth. You know, like, it's like I'm about to take a bite of it. He just feel like it's it's gone. And so the next year, which is cool, I didn't feel like we we had a score of zero coming into the fourth day. And, I mean, I we were breaking hooks. We were doing the same thing that everybody has problems with. They've fallen off, wearing through, you know, just typical tarpon bullshit that happens of course only in tournaments you are on practice day you fight everyone Catch in the everything. boat everybody everything comes to the boat and so I, I you know it's like a gut punch right you know how it is it's like man nothing you know nothing and you you think think it's over but it's not and uh we ended up coming back the last two days and, and catching four weights and, and three releases and i remember now dustin was the one in the lead and when i came in he's like they're all looking over and we were like the last boat of the last day and somebody goes you got one i'm like oh we got two one being a pretty large one and dustin was the first one to come really and and, and just be like hey good for you man like kind of like yeah you, know, you i you got second to me last year and and now and that means a lot to me it means a lot to me getting that from somebody like dustin and when rob rob fordyce gave me at the awards and Rob was over here the other day having cocktails on the backyard and he, he he couldn't believe that I still had it or remember, but you know, you fish with Rob, but Rob doesn't use hooks that come out of a package. Oh. You know, he makes he makes them Sharpens they, he his makes own them, hooks. His own Rob's hook, right? Right. And he came into the awards and you know, Rob and I were friendly, but you know, I think at that point I I showed or earned something up from him a respect level of getting my name on that. It's like all of a sudden I, I did something and he had these two hooks tied between uh, this hook, not the knot. And they were both two hooks that he likes to use and he sharpened them. And it was kind of like he gave it to me and I was like, Oh my God, like, you know, like a congratulations. And I put them in my pocket. I remember like, it like, like, like went into my skin and my chest, right? <laughs> ripped a hole in there. Um, and I still have them. Um, they're in my downstairs trophy, but I usually have them hanging until the kids hanging out of the mouth. And when he was over here, I told him, I'm like, hey, do you remember when you gave me that? And he looked at me because I couldn't believe you have those. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Forever. Forever. Yeah. Forever. You know, I have so much respect for the people that made their paved their ways that I would, I, it, I mean, I have Hank Brown's reel over here. I have, you know, all these like collector's items of th these people and it that's important to me and i guess when i won that it was like i i made i made i did something you know right and i think the coolest part about it was what i got from all the guides that's have their name on it it was like you're into the golden jacket club right you know you're into the club you're in their club man you know like you did it and 
But take a look at all the guys who have been trying to win the Gold Cup, all these Tarpon guys over the years. Stu App's name is not on the trophy. Tom Evans's name is not on the trophy. And it was, you're in, you know, a very, you're in very hallowed grounds, you know, that are, it's a very sacred place uh, that you've got to earn your way uh, through those golden gates. Yeah. And, and you've done that, you know, in the bonefish world, in the, in the tarpon world. And then all of a sudden you were gone. <laughs> what happened? I mean, most of these guys want to see, it's a numbers game. You want to see how many of these you can win. I mean, I was uh, insatiable with wins. I was there forever trying to get it and get it and more and more. And then all of a sudden I was done. I bailed. But you were a young man and you won a lot right away. And then all of a sudden you're out of the game. What happened? You know, I, I, I think is I quit doing the Gold Cup now. It would be two years and the Golden Fly two years ago. So those are the last, so it would be two years ago that I, I, I kind of dropped out of. And, I, and at the same time, I quit all. And that's all, when you were 28. Yeah, I quit all the all tackles and the bonefish tournaments. And um, March Merkin, I was in for a few years. And it just, it got to the point where when oh, we're starting to have kids that I don't think I was putting enough attention into my fishing to be somebody that was going to be in the, the right, the right place I wanted to be as a guide to win to these win. things. Um, and I, I think Mark as well, uh, Mark and I, like, uh, I only want to fish with Mark in tournaments. Um, I feel like we have a really good mojo together. We're very in tune, you know, and, 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 uh, I think he was at the same point too, you know, he's done it. He was doing it so much and so long that he was ready for a break. And yeah, I wanted to put more attention to my kids and be with them um, as much because you can't get that time back, you know? And so it's very important for me to spend every day. And instead of waking up at four in the morning and being gone till five o'clock in the afternoon, tying leaders, rigging the rod, clean the boat, and then come in and just go to bed. I feel like I'd rather, you know, just have fun with clients or good friends of mine. And it just kind of made my life a little bit stress-free easier and you know some people mistake it they think oh you, you just think you're so good that you just you did it and i'm like if you say that you don't know me man right. so you you can i don't care what anybody thinks about me you know I, i'm pretty low-key when it comes to my group of friends what i like to do and if they think that i i have this hothead where i was the man and i quit doing them and i'm giving everybody a chance you're so freaking wrong like i said you're not better than anybody else for those three days. If it was a three day tournament, you were better than everybody else, but it's, that was your turn. But it, I promise you right now, if I went back and tried to fish these tournament tournaments, I don't even think I would be in, 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 in the runnings right now. Um, oh, I think you would. No, I, I you know, I think I, you would. You're, uh, well, being, you're no, very humble. No, and modest I, for I appreciate sure. it. But you know, Mark and I are like, it's kind of like uh, dull tools. You know? It's like, it's like, well, how do you think I feel? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm uh, only 38 years older than you. You know, but hey, you talking about a dull. T- I, I feel like he, I'm, he's I'm, a dull, rusted tool. Rusted. Yeah. There's a little rust yeah. spots coming in, right? Fucking chickens take yeah. me down now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, if I was to come back, uh, and I think I will. I think there's a, I, you know, I've talked to Rob about it. Rob took some years off and and did some other things. And I think right now, until my kids, you know, I'm having so much fun and it all comes down to my kids. I can't talk about my kids enough. You know, I just, I'm very proud of my boys and I'm very proud to be a dad. And 
there is no love in the world like I'll do anything for those boys um, at any time. And uh, I don't care if, about the money part. I'm not going to work more to make more money. I'd rather take days off and, and be with them and watch them grow and take them on the boat. My youngest, I mean, our oldest is like fishing now. And that's what's important to me. Right. That's important. That's family. It's important to me. Um, the fishing, I love it. I love what I do. I never, as much as ever? Yes, I do. But I do it because I like the variety. I like one day, you know, in four days, one day I'll be down in the lower keys and the next day I'm in Biscayne Bay and then I'm over in the Everglades and then I'm on my center console. Right. Like, I like it when people get on my boat and just say, you're the captain. I want you to do what you want to do today. Let's make the best. And I want to be more like Richard Black in that sense. You mm -hmm. know, that's what he does. He just, he goes, and that's what makes fishing fun. The adventure of finding new stuff and um, taking advantage of weather conditions. When it's crappy weather, instead of going and beating your head in, looking for a tarpon, we go shark fishing, you know, fly shark fishing, you know, do it. It's not like you're doing that every day. Right. I wouldn't take you to do it on a beautiful sunny day, but for that day, right. you're catching spinners and getting opportunities, maybe at a bull or a tiger and it's exciting, you know, and it's cool and, and my mm -hmm. people dig that and I dig it. And I think it makes you well-rounded as a fisherman right. and uh, it allows you to keep it fresh, you know? But if I, was a, if I was a guy that had my boat on a lift at one marina, I, I think I would I think I would totally get burned out of this sport. You know, if you had to lower it to do the same thing every day, pick up your people and you're going to do the same thing every day because you're limited to the range you're gonna do, I think I would be bored. Right. You know? What would you say to a you know, a young kid that's aspiring to be a fishing guide down here in the Florida Keys? Be seventeen feet further. Be the guy paying me. You know, if no, I'm, I'm kidding. That's why I tell my son that, you know, he loves fishing, but I do not want him to be a fishing guide. You know, if he wants to do it, that's great. But and, um, and why do you not want him to be a fishing guide? Because I don't get to fish anymore. So one thing about fishing that kind of sucks as a guide is that on my days off, you're never going to see me out there. Maybe going snapper fishing, getting fish for, for dinner, but you actually don't get to be an angler anymore. And I don't get me wrong, I have so much fun on the back end and watching it all, but every once in a while, it's kind of nice to pull. pull on something, you know, and throw and, and uh, you know, keep your, keep your skills sharp. You know, if somebody says, hey, these fish aren't eating, I want you to show me how to do it, you know, be able to stand up there and be like, not trying to be an asshole to say this is that easy, but to make them a believer, to have a visual of how it should be done. Mm -hmm. um, I think I would embarrass myself now if somebody asked me to go do it like that. You know, I'd probably hook myself in the back and <laughs> yeah, be like, no, you know, that's doing not that. happening. But um, there's a couple of young kids. Um, Polly Ross is, uh, and I want everybody watching, or if anybody, I would not, they shouldn't be watching this. They're probably going to shut it off. Um, <laughs> but that name will be said and will be thrown around in a lot of conversations. Uh, for years and years to come through Fishman. He is extremely talented. Um, he was a neighbor of mine. And every day I remember these kids would come out like if they were like just raccoons coming out of the woods, just coming out. And I I mean, I wasn't backed in for two seconds and bike skateboards kicking into the gravel, bikes thrown down and they come running. And it's like, they look and see what flies I was using. They're taking them out of the carpet, putting them in their pockets. You know, I mean, they're just scavengers. Like little scavengers. Yeah, absolutely. And Polly, uh, it was Polly Ross, Joseph Borsky, Polly's little brother, Connor, 
all three of them are phenomenal fishermen. Um, I spent more time with Polly out of all of them. Um, we fished a lot together. Uh, he would really sit down and want to just listen. And um, he had a special feature, and uh, we were talking about this, is that when he would sit down, he would like to be around like my buddies that are older, we're 10 years older than him. And he could pick up on conversations that you were having where maybe we're throwing him a little bit of a bone, but not really. And if it was a bone getting thrown, you it wasn't like it was thrown at you. You had to go and scoop it up and, and, and understand why. And for example, he'd be like, oh, I was, you know, over here at Buchanan. I'm just throwing a name out there. And I was like, it was really good. And all of a sudden he would know that was today. He would know what the tide was doing, what the wind direction was doing. And, you know, kind of like roughly put all the pieces of the puzzle together and understanding maybe why I was there. Um, and I picked that up from him because that's reminds me of what I did when I used to go to Lorelei and I would sit around, you know, again, the Timmy's, the Craig's, the Paul, you know, Fordyce and all that. I wouldn't be engaging in all these conversations with him. I would just be sitting back listening, listening, soaking it in everything. But I would, I, it's like my brain doesn't really work very well in everything else in life, but in fishing, it's like, it was like a computer. I, I, I go, a thousand miles. It hour. was like running. Okay. You know, wind directions out the Southeast. Okay. Rising tide. It was, you know, clouds were coming. Okay. It's in August, you know, the, the variable, all, everything that makes what fishing is good. Time of year, wind direction, tides, you know, uh, sun, you know, what kind of sun you had and all those are what makes a spot happen. Uh, you could go on the wrong time of year and, and nothing's there. You can, and my people ask me all the time how I choose to go fishing. It's going off what the conditions are. I idle out and it's like my brain just clicks and says, oh, you need to go over here. You know, it's not like I sit at home the night before looking and saying, okay, I need to go here. I just let the boat drive. But a lot of that was learning from these old timers and sitting and having to visualize what they're talking about at the time they're talking about it to go check it out for myself. And, you know, sometimes I think they would get shocked to see me show up somewhere. <laughs> and, right. and they're like, you saw me fish here? I'm like, I didn't see you fish here. But I heard you spoke about this You told me you fished here. Even worse. You know? Yeah, right. And you'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you didn't like say, Jared, I was fishing here. I said, you just do it in conversation. And I picked everything out of it. Take this, this, what, that, put it in. And it's free game. And it's free game. That's free game, dude. If you want to sit there and have a, you know, where anybody in the bars, 100 people can sit there and listen to you talk. It's free game, right? I, I mean, yeah, right. They, Somebody they threw at, it out there. At the end of listening to Dustin's stuff and hearing the way he does, you don't think I didn't pick anything out of that? You get me? I'm sitting there writing notes, man. Right. <laughs> you know, writing notes. I'm drawing stuff. You know, little word flies. I'm, you know, doing it all, man. <laughs> Are you still taking notes? I And from whom? I have uh, a couple things that I write down um, and it's nothing but just kind of career accolades, goals that I've done. And, and that's um, how many super slams I guided to, how many grand slams I've guided to, how many permit on fly I've guided to. And then it give would, me those numbers. Come on, man. We don't want to do this. Yes, right? we do. Well, don't put it in that. I'm you just, know? <laughs> it's like, I'm sitting here. It sounds like a, Dick. No, but uh, it, no, but it's but <laughs> no. no but what important. are you most proud of? I mean, how many how many slams and and how uh, many? So it would be, 
uh, where I was the only one to ever guide to a super slam on fly uh, with Willie Valley, my client, or at least that's ever been recorded, where he's the angler and caught a permit, a bullfish, a tarpon, a snook, and a red all in the same day on fly. Wow. Um, so we've got one on fly. I got 26 just regular super slams um, to clients, fly bait. Uh, I have 312 grand slams that I've guided to. And then um, permit on flies, you know, just under about a hundred, you know, somewhere in like the 90 range. I got to look at that. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's the one that's like, you know, that's, and that, that one on fly is, is added, not just clients. That might be some with buddies, you know, mm -hmm. but, but we all know how hard those things are. I'll right. take anyone I can get. Right. Um, so I have that down and then I, I, I write down like a list of the tournaments I've, I've won in first and seconds. And I put that and it just, it's cool for me. It's cool to come back 20 years from now and then be able to say, wow, you know, uh, like I know Croca is like over 800 slams. Yeah, he's like 770. He's something crazy, right? right? You know, something just wild. And, um, but those are numbers that are out there and they're on the board. Oh yeah, I mean, they're on the board, but like there's, what's this, Pat Rasher or- like, Yeah, yeah, yeah Frazier. Frazier, yeah. I think he's over a thousand. Probably, you know, right? yeah. And I started doing this um, and, and any way we could get it, right? Like soak for a bonefish we needed it. Like, like I was, I was so die hard to do it to chase this. Are you still chasing numbers? Oh yeah. Which ones are more important? I love slams, and I love it because it just it, it, in the July through September is all I want. October is all I want to do, and I do the same thing. I start off in the morning, baby tarpon fishing, you know, or maybe big ones. It just depends on the time of year, conditions, fly fishing for them, and then you know, a lot of times I'll have guys that are strictly fly, but they'll. They'll throw a crab for and me a permit. just to get me my permit. Right. You know, they know it's important to me um, about getting the slam. And then once they get one, you know, they'll try for the fly. Um, I know I have 16 of those are all fly. Right. Um, super grand slams. Um, but a lot of them, man, I, I remember I remember being like, sorry, dude, no more fly fishing for you. We we're going, I go, we're going to worldwide. We're getting some shrimp and we're soaking for the bullfish. <laughs> you know? starting to do croca like, speak. Yeah. And he's like, what are you? <laughs> Doing. And I'm like, just if you want to fish again with me, we're doing this. You know, <laughs> so sit down, eat a burrito, do whatever you need, eat your lunch. Rod goes over, reel it in. Once you catch one, we'll go. And right, and we, it's it's cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What are you most proud of when you look at your your fishing career? Um, maybe maybe the, the just the, the different areas I fish. You know. Um, being able to go down and, and go, I was just on a mothership trip in Tortugas with skiffs. So learned that really well for three days. Um, and so basically from the Tortugas all the way to Stiltsville, all the way over up to, you know, past Lostman's and in between. So your dexterity of, of your ability. Yeah, to like range, just the range, range, right. You know, I think it's, and now I don't know all that. Right, you, you could I could I could fish just out of Alamrata for the next twenty years. You still never have it figured out, but enough to go and, and feel confident to guide. Right, you know that, that I'm what I'm taking you to do. I feel confident on any wind weather condition in these zones. I can get you opportunities at fish. Right, that's important to me. You know, um, do I know it all? I haven't even tipped 
I'm not even hitting the tip of the iceberg. Man. But you're successful. Yeah, no. Now, you've become a real celebrity in the fact that you're not only successful as a tournament angler, uh, but your TV show is outrageously, outrageously good. All the producers. I all, mean, all that, that's Marty I mean, and James, man. Your show is awesome. It's and then, how much does that mean to you to have this show and to tell that story through video? You know, I was. It's funny, like in the beginning when Silver Kings was kind of revolving and, and where I was going to be involved in it, um, I didn't want to do it. I said no to it. And uh, I just, you know, never been somebody I wanted to be on TV. Really don't even like hearing my own voice. Seeing myself, you just be like, yeah, I'm really that big of a dick, uh, you know. <laughs> and uh, but it was it was important because my family is growing, and I wanted my career to grow as well. Um, so it was it was kind of like a double-edged sword. I didn't really want to do it, but once I started doing it, it just comes off so natural because you're not at the time. It's just that's just me fishing, you know. The interviews like this were the hardest ones for me. You know, I'm, I I would sit down with my partner, Bo, and Bo's just so articulate and he could just paint a picture with his words. And, you know, and I like look at him, I'm like so intimidated, right? I'm like, oh, I can barely, you know, any word over four letters, I you can't even read it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but once I, I developed this relationship with Marty and James, the producers, who are dear friends of mine, they made you feel so comfortable and they, they're so brilliant at what they do. They, they learned how to work around my flaws as a, as a host. And what was I was kind of lacking in, they knew how to push me. They would set me up on interviews before the, I even knew we were doing an interview. And they would just set me up and Marty would just be talking to me. And all of a sudden he's like, okay, we're done. You had no idea had it no, was rolling. I, had no idea that it was rolling. Had no, but that's, that's, they, they were, they were, that's what makes them special. That's what they were good at. And then the show, the way it is and produced, I go out and do the fishing part. Yeah, you know, I have a little say in, so did my partner on how maybe we wanted something. We just let them go and they would send me and I'm like, I don't think there was ever a time that I ever asked Marty or James to change anything. So they're the ones that make the show. They're the ones that make the beauty of it. They're the ones that show this where it, it makes me look really good. Um, and I can't thank them enough. And they do it in a way that makes me look good, but they do it where it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. And uh, and that's that's a special talent they had. So the show has been great. Um, I don't watch them. I I don't I don't uh, I don't uh, sit down and and be like, oh yeah, I'm on TV. I never feel like I go somewhere. Oh, I'm a I'm a celebrity. I'm not. You know, I'm a fishing guide in the Florida Keys and you get to see the way I live my life. And that's the coolest part about the show. It's the lifestyle. And I think that's the coolest part about you too, is they see that on the show. And you are just so humble and modest, but yet you are so good at what you do as a fisherman and how well you express yourself and tell that story. And that's why that show is so compelling. It's produced incredibly well with all the drones and the footage and the producers. And it's got a great host. No, I appreciate it. I mean, I hate TV shows. I've been around them a long time. I had one for a while. But yours is a show that I gravitate to. And I think a lot of, and I think a lot of people out there will, will agree with me that there are not many out there, but yours is one that really stands out. Well, I, I appreciate it. I mean, it's, uh, again, I can't, I can't 
thank the producers, Marty and James, uh, enough because it's that bad. Yeah, it's, it really is. It's they can make they can polish a turd really well. <laughs> you know, uh, no, no, but it's it, it's 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 cool. It is cool. It's my sons really dig watching it. They'll watch it with my wife, and and they love it. So it's cool to. And I get to do it, you know, I mean, right. We got to do right. uh, a little piece in your guys' world. You guys brought me up there and I get to go to uh, Aspen where well, I've never been, never been freshwater fishing, you know, got to see this whole beautiful scenery, but I got to know you guys. And so getting to do with like friends at the end, you don't even remember you're filming. You're just like sitting there just talking having fun. having fun. I mean, the one day, right. It was raining the whole day. Oh, nasty. And I, and I think we, I, I, do you remember how many times I had to make the guy tie by they would the double flies and it'd be like a boomerang and it'd, and it'd come back and, and I'm so like, that's that tight loop that we're used yeah. to in saltwater fishing that doesn't work so well with a hopper dropper and you went from flies. and you went from catching a hundred pound fish to ten inch fish. Oh, I remember the first one. You guys were like, all right, we're you know we're in the was it the roaring fork? Yeah, yeah, the frying pan. The frying, frying pan. pan. Oh, it's gonna happen. Yeah. It's, see the perfect drift. Look at this. Oh, here he oh, comes. Here he comes. He's gonna uh, get it. And, you, and you're waiting for a hundred pound fish to come up out of a river and grab it. <laughs> well, I remember the first one. I stripped set and I broke them off. Yeah. And, and you guys are like, all right, Jerry. Um, <laughs> it's a little it's amazing that you did that. You know, the fish was this big, and I, you know, I was like, oh yeah, you know, and <laughs> broke off, and I'm like, okay, you know. But my favorite was that you guys was at Flyagra. Yeah, yeah. I, right? I couldn't even get over the name. I'm like, this is awesome. Nikki Center working, working it up, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, he's working a little too hard over there. This, this, <laughs> you know? this fly's gonna float. That's like, yeah, it's, it's gonna it's, be stiff. It is stiff, all right. Yeah, no, but it was it was so neat, and we had such a fun time going in in town, and you guys know, beating my ass in pool. Uh, <laughs> right? That that was it. Was everything about it was just yeah, great. It's good you fun know, having you. I really appreciate that and uh now just i want to get you guys down here though and we uh spend some time just fun fishing yeah we'll do it at yeah. some point what's your any, any goals that are out there now that you've already won all these things and no you've got a show let life come the way it's gonna happen you know just let it unfold keep having fun with my people that i love fishing with and i love fishing with new people like i try to get in you know there's a lot of guides that um structure their business so we have 10 clients all year long uh, I probably fish 120 a year, um, and I do only three days a month. You're allowed, and I like to fish with new people. It allows, um, I mean, I've gained so many great friends out of it, and and you never know the opportunities that are going to come out of it. Um, and it, so, I, I just gonna just you know keep yeah. doing what I do, keep loving life and my family. Um, take off my goal is to take off more time um, to make it Saturday Sundays are off. Um, and where I do 20 days a month, each month throughout the whole year and, and just be, be able to take family time, go on vacations, um, make it where, you know, I'm, I'm fishing on my, my schedule, not what other people's schedules are. Right. You know, that's probably my goal. Yeah. You know, well, good for you. Yeah, we'll see if it works. <laughs> my, my, it sounds these, good. Well, these kids are big, man. They might be starting to do have to do doubles and fish every Sunday just to feed the things. So, you know, we, we, that's my goal. We'll see how it works out from there. Well, you've been good, a good friend, and you've been uh, so successful in your life at such a young age. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I love everything you stand for. Many well, people respect you. Well, I appreciate that, and you know, that's that's kind of them. You know, there is, and I, I, uh, 
I think respect's a big thing, right? Because I respect all my elders and moving forward, you know, I think all the next generations should understand that as well. Because when you get the respect on the water, your days of fishing go so much easier, yeah. so much nicer to drive by somebody and give them a friendly wave than to get a middle finger back. Right. So, that's uh, no, good. Well, you got a lot of waves coming your way. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Really yeah, appreciate right. it. Thanks, Jared. Yeah, thank Big fun. Really appreciate it. Hey, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast with one of the greats. Jared has become a good friend, always sporting a smile and a fun jab in the ribs. But on the water, he was a force to be reckoned with. And I'm sure there are many anglers and guides that are happy he's now retired from tournaments. I've never fished with Jared, but I know when I do, it'll be a day I'll never forget. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as we did. And if you'd like to see more content or behind the scenes, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks so much. See you next time.